more than 645,000 people have lost their lives in the line of duty since World War I. More on this in this episode of Stationed with Stories. Station with Stories. That's it. All right. You are listening to Stationed with Stories. I am your host, Kalisha Hollis Jesse. And before we get moving right along, let me just let y'all know that these are my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts. And they do not represent or reflect the positions, opinions, or views of the U.S. Armed Forces in any way. All right. Hi, peeps. Happy Memorial Day. We are here. I'm so excited. It is Memorial Day if you're listening to it when it airs, this particular episode. And let me just say to everyone who is new, if you have never listened to the podcast before, you are welcome. You are in the right place. Check me out, stationed underscore story on Instagram and Twitter and the website stationedwithstories.com. You will find everything there. But for now, we're going to get into it like we always get into it. The very first thing we do in all those who have been with me, you know, mm-hmm, you know how we start off. We start off with the book that I just completed. Okay. So y'all, I actually was reading two books over the last week. And you know, I kind of got to a point where I had to decide which one I was going to finish for this particular week so that I could review it for you all. And so what won out Sugar Birds by Cheryl Gray Bostrom. Now I listened to the book once again. I listened to this audio book and y'all three words for this book, religious, ennobling, presumptive. This book came out in 2021. So not that long ago, y'all, this is a book that has made it to some list. I can't remember exactly how I made it to my list. Maybe it was related to another book I read. But anyway, it somehow got to me and I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to this book. And y'all, the first word, religious. Now, even not reading about this author or reading reviews about the book, you understand, I understood pretty quickly that this was a book that has a religious thread, a specifically a Christian thread throughout the book. And in parts it's understated and in other parts it really is more overt that you have some characters in this book who have strong faith. They have strong faith. And the main character, this is a young adult novel, by the way, okay, called Sugar Birds, a novel, and it's a young adult. I don't think I realized it was going to be young adult, so that was kind of a surprise for me. I'm like, oh, this, this, this is a kid. These are kids that are telling me this story. And so it was different. I haven't read YA in a couple of months now. I think my last YA novel that I reviewed for you all was probably The Night Tiger back in, was that December that I did that? Anyway, y'all, it's been a while. Okay, so it was really interesting to see the adults in their faith and then this thread of questioning faith with our main protagonist. But yeah, it was religious. There and, and at the end it really ties together. I would say the next word is ennobling. Ennobling because and I was trying to figure out the right word for this. 
It's really, and just so you know, the story is about a little girl who is growing up in the Pacific Northwest and she is in an average family, a brother, mom, dad, and she ends up being the instigator, right? She lights a fire, starts a fire outside, normal fire. She knows fire safety, all of this, but this fire actually ends up getting out of control and her whole house catches on fire and her family was trapped inside the house. Her parents specifically are trapped inside the house when this fire really rages. Okay. So they're all in the fire, but her parents are the ones who really get hurt by the fire. And so she goes off to live in the wilderness right around the house, right around the property of her neighbors for weeks because she believes that she will be captured and be put in in juvie, okay? She thinks she's going to be arrested because she set the fire that she believes has killed her parents. Anyway, so you read the book, okay? And one of the main characters, her brother is neurodivergent. He's on a spectrum and he has certain characteristics, certain qualities that are strong, right? That he does not interact or pick up on social cues the way that many people would pick up on, okay? And there's an ennobling quality given to him that he is actually really celebrated and becomes a really important part of the storyline, even though it's not his story. And there's also a line of of the story that is about preserving, preserving things that are lost, that are dead. There's there's a piece of that in the story of taking bones of dead creatures and kind of giving them life in a different way of honoring their lives. And it's called sugar birds. Birds are very important to the story. And there's an ennobling character to these these birds, even that the the writer, the author gives the birds, gives this brother who would normally in society be not as valuable or different or treated as if he has a major handicap that doesn't give him as much value in our society as people who don't have that handicap. But in and this book is really ennobling and the way that this character and these birds and these people are honoring one another, seeing the small, important things in one another and lifting them up. And then finally, presumptive. Now, the premise of the story in order to work, in order for this little girl to be in the woods for so long, she has to make assumptions and other people have to make assumptions about where she is and about what's happening with the parents. And she has to make a lot of assumptions in order to stay on the run, quote unquote. And y'all, I'm not going to lie to you. It drove me crazy sometimes. I was like, oh, okay. I understand this is plot. I understand that we had to keep her in the wilderness. We had to keep her in the woods. So she has to continue to make these false assumptions. But it was, very, but it was, it was hinged upon that. And honestly, in most literature, you have to have false assumptions for it to work. Someone has to believe something about someone else that is false. 
in order for them to continue to be trapped in whatever lies they're telling themselves or whatever bad relationship they're in or whatever, right? There has to be some bad assumptions, a bad assumptions about someone else or some other situation or bad assumptions about oneself. But I think it really stood out in this young adult genre, right? This little kid, you're, you're in a little girl's head. And, I'm, and as an adult reading them, I'm like, oh, this little girl, if you just would ask questions or X, Y, Z, right? But that is just what it took to make the plot work. But there are some strong assumptions that you kind of have to swallow and bear with in order to get through the book. And obviously, like I said, it's, it's young adult. And it is particularly one of the main protagonists. She's a little girl. So you have to think like a little girl in this case. And actually, this book reminds me a lot of a book that I read before I started this podcast. So I never reviewed it here. Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens really reminds me of that. I never did watch the movie. So if you watched the movie, I, I couldn't tell you much about that at all, that experience. But this book really did remind me of that story, just with the protagonist, the type of assumptions and things that are going on in the book, the problems, the main problems of the book, really reminded me of that book, minus the religious, minus the Christian thread throughout the book, okay? And one thing I do want to say, not specifically about the book, but something that really was interesting and that excited me about this book was that it was originally published independently. This was originally an indie novel and now is published by Tyndale House. So kudos to Bostrom for brokering that deal. And hopefully that was a positive change for her. But once again, the book is called Sugar Birds, a novel by Cheryl Gray Bostrom came out in 2021. My words were religious, ennobling, and presumptive. Check it out if you so choose. All right, y'all, moving on to the topic of the day. Happy Memorial Day. It is Memorial Day. And, you know, like every year around this time, there are so many different services. There are a lot of posts and a lot of recognition of military members, specifically those who have fallen during combat. And I remember just last year talking about Memorial Day services and and how it's not like it used to be this year. Really, I'm in a reflective mode and a learning mode when it comes to Memorial Day and and really in an honoring mode. You know, what do I do specifically this year? And y'all, so one thing that I I came to in this past week, I got an email from USAA. And if you're in the military, you probably either have a USAA account or you you definitely know what USAA is. And basically, for those who do not know, and even if you're not in the military community, let me tell y'all, you probably have seen the commercials because I'm telling y'all, USAA commercials are everywhere right now. It's ubiquitous. It's kind of wild because I don't remember USAA commercials 10, 15 years ago. But for some reason, they're everywhere now. And so it's really a bank, but it's also, they have insurance, they have home loans, all of these different products, and they are for the military community. So you don't have to serve. It can be a family member. I think it can be a 
child or even a grandchild, if you had a service member in your line and your family, you can have an account. So there's that. And they sent out kind of a Memorial Day message, a pre-message, just sharing what they're doing for Memorial Day, how they're honoring. And I thought it was really interesting because they talked about the red poppy. And y'all, the red poppy, the flower, is a symbol of Memorial Day and specifically in honor of the lost service members. And so I learned, I clicked on the little link because you know we get emails all the time and I'm like, okay, archive, archive, delete, delete, delete. But this particular email, I say, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about what's happening this Memorial Day, what people are doing, what businesses are doing. And so I clicked on it and it had a really fascinating website that is up in honor of Memorial Day and in honor of people just celebrating who they lost, who they have lost to conflict uh, or those who have passed during conflict. And I learned on that site also that the count, the number of people service members lost since World War One is over 645,000 soldiers. More than 645,000 people have lost their lives in the line of duty since World War One. So, and that's U.S. members. It was interesting. There were a number of stories, videos that you can watch of people who had pictures and uh, memorabilia of their service members who were lost. And that was really powerful. They also talked about how ongoing people could use social media and tweet or have a post, email, even there's even an email address they left on the website for people to send videos and that kind of thing, pictures of the people they lost. The hashtag was Poppy in memory. Okay. So if you are listening to this early enough in the day, you can use that hashtag poppy in memory to post about a service member, a tribute really. And so I just started to think about tributes. I also went the day before. So yesterday I went to an event and it was not specifically a Memorial Day event, although it traditionally happens the day before Memorial Day. And the idea is that this is in Washington State at uh, one of the historical societies. They have this park and they have a number of historical buildings in Bothell, Washington. And they have like this flowers event where you can scatter flowers on this particular river. And you have these flowers that are dedicated to members that you've lost, people who you've lost. And it's not specifically for service members, but I went with a couple of other military spouses. You know, we had a little chat group. We're like, hey, you know, this event is happening. One of the girls, she posted in the group and told us what was happening on this particular day. And, you know, we should get together, go to the event, you know, toss these petals, these flower petals that were donated into this river and kind of watch them float down slowly because it's a slow moving little bitty river. And it was a very short and beautiful event, y'all. I ended up making it and I almost thought I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know whether I was going to make it because I was just getting home from travel the night before, almost midnight, getting home, got up, 
went to my church service. And right after my church service, I went straight to this event. But it was really nice. And just thinking about making tributes, thinking about who to honor and lift up. There weren't that many service members in my family. The person who I think of usually first is my great-grandfather, who was in the Navy and retired from the Navy and then worked for Ford Motor Company and retired from there. But yeah, I think about his story. Obviously, I'm a spouse of a military member right now, and I talk about my brother sometimes who served in the military. So there, there's so much, right? There's so much just right there, but there weren't a ton. Some people come from family members, you know, or families that have so many people who are in the military. Not quite my family. And and I should probably say just for clarity that my great-grandfather, he was in World War II as a cook. And, you know, as a black man at the time, that was one of the main jobs that you would have had. Uh, you wouldn't have had as many opportunities and so we are thankful both for his service and his dignity in that time and that era of our country's history to have served. And not necessarily he didn't do, you know, 20 years of retirement, but he he served his country. And after that conflict, he was able to, you know, provide for his family and, and move on into a new career. But it's, it's really nice to be able to, to reflect on these things and pay tribute. So I thought about him who has pa- he's passed already. I think about so many other people who have served the military and not necessarily of a passing that they've passed or specifically passed in conflict, but that they served our our country. But obviously, you know, just hearing that 645,000 plus people dying in the midst of their service is really sobering, right? It's it's really a good, it was a good sight to flip through, to scroll through and to learn more. And, you know, I also, I thought about some of the things that I've done in the past, y'all, but it got me to thinking when it comes to Memorial Day, it got me to thinking, what is the best way to pay tribute to someone, what is the best way to pay tribute? Because, oh man, there's so many different things. You know, I remember going to grave sites and visiting the gravesite of my great grandfather one Memorial Day many years ago. Obviously, I just did this flower petal event where it was really serene and short and sweet. And that was a way to pay tribute. And they encouraged people to think of the names of the people that they had lost and to say their names. And I thought that was really special. And obviously I talked about the USAA campaign where you can tweet or, you know, use a hashtag on social media to pay tribute to a fallen member, loved one. And, you know, videos, there's so many different things I think that people are doing today to pay tribute. And I just thought that maybe the best the best tribute to a fallen loved one who has served the country or to someone even who is serving their country right now, because I know so many people are listening and you may have a loved one that is off, right? They are off serving the country right now and we're praying their safety and their health. But I think the best tribute is to really to 
to think about names, to reflect on who they are, and to do things that kind of honor their memory. And so one of the things that I remember my great-grandfather enjoying, and I didn't know him in his younger years. I, I knew him, right, that my first memories of him were probably when he was in his 70s. 70s, maybe he was early, late 60s at some point, but I would have been a little girl. So really his 70s, that was like my time of knowing him and he had dementia or Alzheimer's, specifically had Alzheimer's. So it was a very different person, right, that I met and came to know. But I do know that he enjoyed baking and that his children loved when he would bake or cook. And you know what? I will not get the tea cakes right. I know I will not be able to make the tea cakes how he would have made them back in the day. But just baking, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll try to bake something this week as I I pay tribute to his memory or think about, you know, he had this funny laugh, I remember. And I just used to love hearing him laugh and, you know, just thinking a good belly laugh just paying tribute to him. And I mean, obviously for those who are listening, there are other ways that you might be paying tribute to a person or many people today, but I hope you do reflect. I hope that you do think about tributes because paying tributes is a way that we keep people's memories alive and that we are honoring them, even if they are not present physically, if they have long passed, is special to be able to pay tribute and Memorial Day is one of those days when we do that. Okay, y'all, moving on to the last portion of the podcast. I'm excited about this particular piece, y'all. It's a different type of piece. Once again, flash fiction, original, written by me. And this one is called Haunted by Her Error. There's an elf in the hallway, Maddie says, Walking back to the kitchen, the toe of her tap shoes drummed my cedar floors impatiently. I know, sweetheart. I need it for a play that goes up in two weeks, I say. My seven-year-old is typically unfazed by my chaos. An elf in the hallway, a gnome in the pantry, a gargoyle in the bathroom. Wherever I can fit them is where I put them in this cramped two-bedroom apartment. This is a family full of artists. I am a set designer. Maddie has her tap. Her father was a unicyclist until his fatal cliff accident. My uncle is a lion tamer. My parents are retired trapeze artists. My brother saws people in half because he's a magician, of course. Stranger things have been sighted in my house. So why Maddie seems upset by this elf? I have no clue. Instead, I change the subject. Ready for dance class? I ask. Maddie fingers the silver ribbon tied in her hair, peeks around the wall and down the hall, then sighs. I would be if the elf weren't in the way, she says, expression moody. I knit my eyebrows in confusion. In the hallway? I ask. Blocking the doorway, she says. I thought I'd stashed it in a coat closet, but nonetheless, we'd move it out the way as we did with all my props that were stuffed in every available crevice across our shared space. Let's go, little girl, I say to Maddie, 
off-put by her silly beef with my ceramic elf until I make it to the hallway. That's when I open my mouth to scream. Except two things happen that stop me. The elf standing in the hallway lifts its index finger in the air as if to silence me. And Maddie says, See, I told you it was in the hallway. I am suddenly in my bed surrounded by darkness, torso erect in the bed, chest panting. It was only a dream. More like my recurring nightmare, just one set design malfunction in my 15-year career organizing our town's Christmas spectacular, but the catastrophe terrorizes me still. Not like Maddie's dad's accident, God rest his soul. Or my uncle's Lions Gone Wild incident back in 93. Not even like my brother making a skunk appear instead of a dove. That, too, was a nightmare. Still, I am a perfectionist and last year's set design fiasco still wrestles with me, even in my dreams. All right, y'all, that is it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And, you know, obviously, I've already talked about the website. You know where to go. I've already told you station underscore story. That's where you find me on social media. And, y'all, leave a comment, okay? Leave a comment about the podcast wherever you are listening to it. Let people know why you love Station with Stories. Definitely share it. Sharing is caring. Tell another person about the podcast. We are in the business of having a good time every Monday. Make sure you are back next week. I am your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. This is Station with Stories. I'll see you next week, y'all. Bye, peeps.